Good morning. This is Jimmy Williams, your host with the most for Live a Life by Design, your Monday morning motivational speaker, bringing you the biggest, best, and boldest of information so your life can be lived in the manner you wish. You know, every week we work hard to go out and find people that I know bring great value to those that they serve. Today, our guest is an honored friend of mine. I am proud. He has even let me eat from his table on numerous occasions. And folks, that's a sign of friendship when you're from the state of Texas. If they'll let an Okie come into their table in their house and eat food from their table, they're good people to me. Ladies and gentlemen, today I want to bring to you the CEO of Hodges Capital, and he is a wonderful gentleman. Please welcome Craig Hodges. How are we doing, Craig? Man, I couldn't be better. I could not be better. I'm really happy to be on on your program, Jimmy. It's an honor. Well, thank you so much. So Craig has a wonderful legacy that he has helped create with his father. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, how their company got started a little bit. But we're going to focus today on something more important, I know, to him and his parents was the legacy, their supportive community, and how they built into their family these lifetime memories. And today I want you to take away from this, our valued listeners and subscribers, that you too can do exactly what his father, Don Hodges, did for his family, and that's live a life by design. You just have to apply yourself to it. So, hey, Craig, let me just get started, my friend. Tell me just a little bit, what was it like growing up with uh, Don Hodges as, as your dad? Um, yeah, I, I tell people all the time, the, uh, my, probably my greatest talent it was my ability to pick my parents. I did a tremendous job <laughs> in that, in that department. And, um, I had, you know, my father who passed five years ago, um, was just a tremendous man. He was just the, the ultimate gentleman, the ultimate Christian, just lived his, you know, li- was, was really, really highly regarded and lived a, you know, a great example. He wasn't a, he wouldn't preach at you, but he lived a life that, you know, showed uh, grace and and non-judgment and just, uh, you know, just an inspirational life. And growing up in that environment was, you know, it was challenging at times. Um, you know, we uh, grew was born in Oklahoma City, but moved to Dallas when I was a young child. But with, with a father in the investment business, at an early, early age, you know, it was, it was basic talk around the dinner table was, you know, what are, what are the great young companies out there? And I remember, you know, in the early seventies of my parents or my dad buying me a handful of shares of Dr. Pepper or McDonald's, or I remember a company called Phoenix Candy Company. And, and at a young age, just kind of learning that this concept was so neat that you could actually own part of a company, you know, it, it with just a few dollars. And that concept uh, stuck with me. And um, it's kind of been, uh, you know, kind of growing up, if you will, around, you know, the dinner table of, you know, good, good capitalism and, and companies. And, you know, it, but it was, a, it was, a, it was a wonderful childhood. It really, really was. I can only imagine your dear mother. Now there were three of you children, yourself and two <laughs> siblings. I can only imagine when your dad, you and your your family got to talking about that. I can just see her say, hey, now listen, we're not going to talk about that around dinner. We've had enough of that today. Is that true? Or did she kind of <laughs> jump in with you and help? She jumped in with you. And in fact, my dad would always say she was the 
she was the, probably the best stock picker in the family. You know, she came oh. up with Home Depot in the early 80s and Walmart. And, you know, she was she was shopping at those places well, well before everyone else had, had realized how great, great companies they were. So, no, it, 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 it was kind of in our in our blood. You know, we, we love football um, and we love talking, talking, uh, talking companies. And that's kind of what was like growing up in our in our family, if you will. You're going to laugh. So um, my children began just like your father did for, for you. And Don bought you some shares of companies you like. So, of course, Disney uh, was big, of course. And so uh, we bought shares of Disney for each of our children because we'd go to Disney World, Disneyland. We've even been to Euro Disney with our family in Paris. And and so my kids thought, well, Dad, what's this piece of paper? So when I took them to Disney and I stood on Main Street in Disney World, Craig, I looked down there and I said, okay, you own a very very small piece of this <laughs> and they took they but took an interest in it yeah but they took an yeah, interest in it piece. right yep I'll, that's right. I'll never forget my my younger daughter the younger one just loves disney and she said this to me craig she said you mean i own some of this castle i said you own some of this castle <laughs> some of the rides whatever you own a piece of that a very small piece and she said well then can i stay all night in the castle since we own it so i never had the, the concept <laughs> right. didn't quite soak it but anyway well, we, I had a similar experience. I, I bought my, my daughters uh, some shares of Starbucks at an early age and explained that, you know, basically you guys own part of this company. And I'll never forget one of the first times we were in there, we walked out and she looked at me and she, one of my daughters looked at me and she said, Dad, why did you have to pay if we if we own part of this company? <laughs> I was like, well, that's a that's a discussion for a little later on. I guess we'll I'll, I'll explain that to you later. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so yeah. funny. Well, well, speaking of that, tell me what's one of the most humorous situations you found yourself in with your dad and you maybe visiting about companies or something. Or was there any company that rose to the level of it being more of a a fun situation as opposed to just finance? Um, there was a couple. One that I and I was actually in college when uh, when he came across this company, and it was uh, and his interest was he had traveled to uh, London, um, England, and had visited the Jaguar plant, and just came became enamored of these handmade cars and how they there was so few cars made, and they you know of course made them by hand and seats and all that kind of stuff. And he came back and he was just so enamored that he actually bought one of the cars. And then he figured out that he couldn't buy the stock in the United States. It wasn't listed here. So he would have to call a London broker and, uh, and, back. and he bought, you know, and, and for all of his clients, he ended up buying uh, Jaguar shares. And it, it, you know, about five or six years later, it was bought out by Ford Motor, but it was a real home run. But, you know, my dad would go to the ends of the earth to find a different you know, idea that, that that no one else was looking at. So we used to always get a kick out of out of that. One of the funny stories was right after, uh, and he, he loved his Jaguar. He only had one, but he, he loved his Jaguar car. And the day that Ford bought Jaguar, he was driving down the road, and, and a guy in a Taurus pulled up next to him and gave him the thumbs up. Like, you know, <laughs> hey, here we are, <laughs> me and you, buddy. So, yeah, he, uh, he, we always kind of laughed about Ford buying uh, buying Jaguar, but uh, but no, good good fun memories. You know that that is funny. So that's kind of like me pulling up against a Tesla S series, which a good friend of mine has, and I believe you'd know who he is if I told you. Uh, and uh, pulled up yeah. with, my, with my my golf cart, going, "Hey, all right, well, that's <laughs> same team, right? Same, same team. team, same team." Well, hey, you know, I've got to ask you, and then I want to move forward. But your dad is such a legacy. You know, he had written a great book that you were so kind to give me a copy. 
and it's called horse sense. And coming from a Texan, you know, uh, that is a really that, that to me is a lifestyle and knowledge base, horse sense. And I read these great quotes that your dad had quoted, thousands of these quotes from some of the greatest people on the planet. And uh, I've used some of them in its podcast, by the way. And so at the end of the day, my question to you is, is what's the best piece of horse sense that your dad ever told you as either a little boy or as a man? Boy, that, uh, that's a good, to narrow it down to one. But uh, I'll digress a little bit to tell you how that book came about, because it is very interesting. And he's a, he was a very humble, humble man. And he's not the kind of guy that would, would put his own quotes in there. But he was a quote collector. And he, every time we would walk through the house as a child, he'd say, stop here. I want you to listen to this quote. And he'd read us this quote. And that went on for years and years. And he would collect these thousands and thousands of quotes. Well, finally, we, in our teenage years, we just stopped listening, you know, as teenagers do, and kind of tuned them out. So I think, therefore, he started collecting them and putting them in a file, you know, to, to, to try to be used again someday. And then when he celebrated his 50th year in the business, we got, the kids all got those quotes and put them together and thought about binding them. And that created the, the, the idea to come to a book. So, yes, it's a book about just the greatest quotes you've ever heard of all walks of life, you know, everything from business to war, you know, ins- inspirational stuff, you know, religion, everything. And uh, yeah, it's a tremendous read. And the nice thing about it is you can sit down and read two page, two pages and be inspired, or you can sit there for hours and read it. So yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, my dad's kind of big. The one thing I always remember him saying about life um, and it, I, I still find this even, do, you know, me doing this for 35 years, that life is a series of two steps forward and one step back. And I don't think truer words have ever been spoken. You know, no one has that perfect, you know, 60 degree, you know, incline up. There's always setbacks. And the greatest, I think the greatest blessings you can have in your life are failures in that they correct you. And you learn more from failures than you do from your successes. And those are kind of the the concepts that I would continue to, to hear and I guess, cling to as a, um, you know, as a young adult. I got to tell you, Craig, and you are absolutely right. If you do learn more from your failures, I would say in life that I would always step back and say, I'm proud I learned because I don't want to commit the same failure twice. So, uh, you know, you learn from those things, uh, but I'm an expert on failure. I'll tell you, I fail early. I fail (laughs) often. And, and, uh, that's Mm -hmm. been the success of our career. But, uh, so, so, so tell me this then, uh, you've got, uh, children of your age and college kids now. And so right. what, if you could tell them one piece of advice that you could give them to lead them down a successful life path, maybe what would that advice be? Well, that's I think the first thing I would say and would, would be stay close to God. I think that'd be the first thing because it keeps you grounded and it keeps you, you know, your feet on the ground. But as far as like lessons or like uh, practices to, to adhere to, I think, the number one thing they can do is learn to save money at a young age and um, boy, and, and start investing early. You know, uh, there's a, there's a quote out there that the greatest time to, to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Well, the second best time is today. And that is very, very true. You need to start. And, and my dad was, a, was a real practitioner of, if you will just do one simple thing, 
And that's everything that passes through your money, that passes through your arms in your lifetime. If you somehow can save 10%, it doesn't matter how much money you would make in your life. If you're somehow able to hold on to 10% of the money that comes to you, you will be wealthy. And truer words have never been enough. It's a challenge to do that, and it takes discipline. But if that's the one lesson, if I could teach my kids, it'll make their life so much easier if they can practice that and pay themselves first and then do everything else after that. You know, you and I have so much in common, friend. I'm sure that somehow down the road our minds may have been linked because my two daughters, one thing I taught them is, the importance of making good habits become true. So in other words, we start them on the habits of cleaning their rooms, doing whatever responsibilities they had in the home. Mm-hmm. Then we, when we taught them the habit of saving. And so one of my daughters, the older of the two is now in California. She's a, a lead investigative reporter, got her master's and all this stuff, graduated magna cum laude, really took after her mother, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, but right. it's, she got, she got involved in a large company. She works for a large um, TV company out there that has stations all over the U S and uh, she got invited to participate in the 401k. Now I'm going to tell you, my kids are not money people. They are very philanthropic. So they would give you, if you needed the money, we're going through Paris. I don't even know these street people. I felt sorry for them. But my younger daughters were running around giving euros to people on the street that we don't know. And I'm going, hey, uh, you know, you, you, you can't just walk up to people we don't know and hand them euros. And, and so she said, Dad, these people need it worse than we. And I said, well, that, that's great heart, but just be safe, right? Well, anyway, the older right. daughter, she's out there, and she gets involved in her 401K, and she looks after about the first few months and goes, Wow. <laughs> and I go, this is, cool. this is, yeah, this is what dad's been teaching you. And this is what dad does for a living. Learn these habits early. I promise you, you couldn't pry it out of that 401k account with a drill. Now she has really seen the light. So <laughs> you're, you're awesome. absolutely right. Yep. That is, that is a great, great habit to start with. So you, you're a portfolio manager as well as CEO for Hodges Capital. So uh, I got just a quick question. How do you balance all of the management of 24 people, you've got a company run, you've got five different mutual fund strategies you have to be responsible for. How do you manage all this on a day-to-day basis? What's your secret? Well, my, my another one of my hidden talents, other than choosing my parents wisely, was uh, <laughs> hiring smarter people than me. <laughs> and I understand. I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got people all around me that really do help me. And and they all know that if it wasn't for them, I'd be in, I'd be in some serious trouble. But, but yeah, I, you know, I, my dad was the type that did try to do it all on his own. And, you know, it was a much simpler world than it is, is now. And I've learned the hard way that, boy, I, I really do need an expert in every part of the business. And, and I feel like I've gotten that. I, I'm a pretty good quarterback. I can, I can kind of tell everybody where to go and, and, you know, how to get open, but, but uh, everyone's got to do their job in order for the play to, for the play to work. So um, that is, and then you know, I think life balance is is as important as anything. My dad actually, in all honesty, his his life was a little out of balance. He he worked all the time, and he told me in his later years he had wished that he had spent. Now he he was a great family man. Don't get me wrong, but I think he wished he had spent more time socially you know, picking up a hobby like golf or something. He never was a golfer. So he basically, he worked all the time and spent all the other time with his family. So I think having a better balance 
I think is something I'm I'm attempting to do, and I think you know that that I think that cr creates much happier you know life where you can do the things you love uh, much longer than you see a lot of people that that really get burnt out that work tremendously hard, but can only go 15 or so years and then they're kind of done. But, uh, you know, my dad was able somehow to do it for 55. So well, I got and I 20 think more I, to go. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, I was going to tell you, you got a long ways to go, my friend, but I think I can tell you <laughs> what part of that drive was, is your dad, from everything I've read, from things you and your brother have told me, uh, Don just had a real passion for serving people. And, and with that passion, that keeps the fire going in that gut every day going, Hey, you know, I'm excited to get up and go to work. And, and here on our podcast, this is one thing we espouse every time we give any kind of advice is if you're not feeling that passion, find it. That's what really moves the fuel to make you better at what you are. Right. Very much. So he, he got so much pleasure. And of course he loved making people money. Um, but he, he was amazing. He would spend, I, I watched him, he'd spend hours and hours with people that didn't have much money. And I would always say, why are you spending all this time with, with these people that don't really have enough money? You're not going to, you know, it's not going to be great for our business and all that. And I learned that that's where he found his joy was helping somebody who really needed it. You know, he didn't, he got no thrill out of making a rich guy richer. He got so much thrill out of sending some kids to college or making sure a couple had their retirement set up where they could, they could retire and enjoy their later years or somebody that could barely make ends meet, um, you know, find a, find a career or find a financial path or somebody that lost a husband at 50 years old and didn't have any idea what, how to handle the money for the next 30, 40 years. He loved helping people like that. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, uh, that's a great legacy. If there is a legacy, that's it. And I hope, I hope I'm more like that. And I think there's more joy in that than there is just on, you know, dollars and cents and how many zeros I have after my name kind of thing. You know, Craig, I got to be honest with you. I, uh, first several years of my career, I was with an international, uh, accounting firm, one of the, one of the big four they have now and, uh, on the way up to be partner, and I, a great company, not anything wrong with them, but I saw a sense of entrepreneurism in my own life. And I also said, if I'm going to run the rat race, I want to find the cheese myself kind of thing. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my question to you, though, is, is what kind of legacy footprint in your next 20 years, you know, emulating the years that your father was at the company as well? How much would you like to, what kind of footprint would you like to leave, I guess? Let me ask you that. Hmm. Uh, good, good question. What kind of, what kind of, you know, footprint, um, you know, almost exactly what he left us, which was, you know, we, we started the company in 89 and it was, you know, minuscule. Um, we kind of backed into the mutual fund business, starting the Hodges fund in, in 1992, just as a, a business that our, our clients were, were somewhat wanting mutual funds. But, you know, here after that, we, we created a company where, you know, we had, you know, thousands of customers that we've been able to help and, and, and hearing all those stories of, of, how we've helped them and how we've made their lives a little easier. You know, those are great. That's a great legacy. And I'd love to leave that to the next generation. And then, and then our employees, we've had a stable group of employees for the 30 plus years we've, we've done that. And when you step back and think, you know, by us, my, my father and I started in this company, 
you know, we've made a nice life for, for you know, basically 25 different families that, that's been part of this journey and has helped us do so much. So if there is a legacy that I, that I hope to leave, you know, and you mentioned my kids, I've got a senior at OU that's probably going to get in, a female who's probably going to get into this business. I hope she's really, really talented. And then I've got a freshman at OU that uh, he loves he loves the stock picking business, of course, and uh, has grown up around it. But I don't know if they'll end up in this business, but I do hope that if they do, that that's the legacy that they it's, it's really helping people and serving people. And there's more joy in that than, than, than anything else. Oh, that's a fantastic legacy. I'd like to see your daughter uh, carry on the third generation of this. I think that'd be awesome for uh, the city of Dallas and all your clients, you know. I'd love her uh, to step in here in, within a year and start sending me a check. That's what I'd yeah. like. <laughs> you know, I'd be happy to go. That's a great plan. Man, that's a great plan. If you can make that, that happen, let work. me know. Yeah. <laughs> let me know. Maybe I'm a, little, I'm a little over my skis there, but no. But, uh, well, let but. me ask you a really tough <laughs> question. Uh, Craig, I've been around you now for several years. Uh, you're a great man. Uh, I just love the way you approach life. Your family approaches it. Your brother approaches it. It's all just a wonderful thing, and I appreciate your friendship. But, hey, what really makes you laugh? I mean, stock markets go up. Cycles go down. It just seems like if you tie your mindset of happiness to any of those things that are not in your control, to me, now this is just me, you're destined for a life of almost bipolar feeling. You're just either up or you're down all the time. So, so what makes you laugh? Boy, that, that's another great question. What makes me laugh? And I laugh a lot. I tell you, the, 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 the group of people that make me laugh the most are my high school friends. I grew up with pretty, seven pretty close high school buddies. And anytime I, you know, anytime I get with them, you know, they know the real me. They know the, they know the, the embarrassing, you know, awkward, you know, preteen, uh, Craig Hodges. And, uh, they break me down. They don't, you know, no more big shot or, you know, and those guys to this day, if I'm, if I, if I go out and see them or go out and eat with them, I'll come home and my cheeks will be sore from just laughing because they are the, the funniest people I know and they keep it real and they keep me humble. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the one thing that I, I, I know is a constant is those guys can, they can make me laugh. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I look for humor in everyday life, really, and that's kind of what I do uh, to keep my mind fresh. And, you know, the body is made up of different chemicals, and scientists, as I've studied, say that you release these endorphins in your system when you when you laugh. Your brain puts this throughout your system, and you just feel better. And i I got to relate to you one story, Craig. I don't know if you're at the age yet, being as young as you are. Uh, folks, he's actually... I think two years or three years older than me, but anyway, uh, at your age, you look, he looks, he looks much younger. If you can see the picture of him, oh, yeah. he still looks in his twenties, but I had to go get a procedure that the doctors recommended age 50 for all of us. And you can imagine it's in a certain area of the body that we men probably just don't appreciate uh, getting work done. And so you're already laughing at me. So they make you put on this very lovely gown as you get ready for this procedure. And you've got all these nurses that are very, very young. They look very young to me, like twenties. Right. And, uh, I uh, was disrobing to put this gown on in this room where all you have is not a door, but a curtain that they can pull back, right. To, to wheel you into the procedure. <laughs> and, uh, wasn't even thinking, man, I'm just thinking, Oh boy, here, I got to put this gown on. So I put this gown on and I bent down. wasn't even thinking my wife's sitting in the other side of the room <laughs> 
And I bit down, and all of a sudden, this nurse, this young 25-year-old, whips open that curtain, and I mean, I just mooned her just right there in front of everybody. <laughs> my wife is aghast. Yeah, so you're laughing. My wife's aghast. Immediately, my face is red, but I turn around to her, and she had her name badge on. I'll never forget. Her name was Robin, and I said, Robin, for that peak, it'll cost you 25 bucks. <laughs> so... <laughs> And I apologize I to her. Oh, Lord. So so I look for reasons to laugh. You know, I guess she's the key probably to this still is, scarred. She's probably still oh, my gosh. For life for that. Yeah, yeah. She's probably not sleeping now. She has to go see a sleep expert. Yeah. You know, get some therapist. Her. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> well, well, let's let's carry on with this this topic just for a little bit. If if you would tell me what's been the most fulfilling event in your life. It can be personal, professional, or both. Tell me what's the most fulfilling for you. Um you know, it's pretty simple with me. Um, my personal most fulfilling, obviously, was was having children, and you know that's that's the greatest blessing I think that anybody can have. And you know, it's it's I always describe to people the, the days are incredibly long, but the years are very very short. And uh, here I am, and all of a sudden an empty nester. And you know that 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 I would say that uh, that's been you know on a personal basis my 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 greatest pride. And then I think what I was talking about earlier about, you know, the company and how we've taken care of, uh, you know, our clients and how we've taken care of, you know, all of our employees all the year. That's, that's my most professional, I think, um, you know, victory, if you will. And just, just the consistency and, you know, being there year in and year out and be able to keep a stable group of folks and, and a stable group of clients. And, yeah, that's, uh, you know, no great awards or anything. We've had those awards, but I think having that has been a, a, a much better, uh, you know, victory, if you will, than, than some of the accolades you might, you know, get from time to time. Uh, I want to ask you, have you ever, now your daughter is the oldest of your children, correct? I have twin daughters. Yeah, twin. Oh, twin daughters. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Does the phrase, now I just want to bring this up, the great prophet and sage of Rodney Dangerfield said, when he had raised his daughters, he now understood why lions eat their young. Okay, so <laughs> let's, let's get the girls out. <laughs> let's get the girls out. Was there anything as a father of twin teenagers when these boys come, because they're beautiful girls that you have, or these boys come up, is there anything that said, you know, at the end of this, I'll just get the gun, run these kids out of here? No. <laughs> I think they knew better to bring the boys around me because, yeah, I was I was kind of the wise guy behind the scene. And my 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 and I came from a, a long line of these people that their goal in life was to embarrass their kids, and that was my goal is to be the dorky dad that that everyone was embarrassed of. And I had to sit there and take it all those years. My dad walking in in the black socks pulled up to his knees and the. Sh- short shorts with the pasty legs and the embarrassing t-shirt. I had to, I had the humility, you know, the, the, to face that with my friends. And so it's my job to pass that on to, to them. And so, yes, I, I've done a tremendous job embarrassing my kids and uh, I don't think they're ever going to let me forget it. So it's one of those things. <laughs> I uh, formed a, an entire group here in our local area. It's a, a group called dad that's daughter's or excuse me, dads against daughters dating. And so I tried to run <laughs> off everybody that came to the house. These young men would come in. And so uh, you're going to laugh when the kids were a little older, you know, they got cooler when you get in the junior high. And so I'd drop them off at school. And it's one of the high parts of my dating, be involved with my kids at some level like that. And uh, so I'd drop them off and I'd always park the car. You know, the whole 
the whole line's supposed to keep moving, Craig, for efficiency, right? Unloading the kid. <laughs> right. uh, I would park the car and I'd stand outside my car and I'd shout to the top of my voice, I love you. And I'd put their whole name in it and they're just like, dad, dad, you know, they're covering their head. And uh, so that's what we do, right? That's what we do. That's our job. That is our job. Yeah. yeah. Make sure well, they know if, who's boss. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, let me ask you this. If you could, if you could just take your fingers, here we are in 2020. Now, notwithstanding the coronavirus, of course, and all this baloney we're dealing with, uh, if you could snap your fingers and change your current lifestyle, in what way would you change it and why? That's a great, great question. You know, I think the life balance is something I would try to change. Um, you know, this job can be, you know, pretty all-consuming. And, you know, it's pretty rare that the stock market isn't open, you know, on a business day. So there's always something going on. And you feel somewhat tied to it on a daily basis. Um, I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing life where when I leave, I try to just leave it and then – you know, do family time, do dinner, do, you know, do the things like that and really invest in the moment and be in the moment. Um, and then later at night, do do some late night reading and, and you know, kind of get back into what's going to happen the next day. But I, I think having a better balance, I think that's the one thing that I that I still struggle with. And, um, I, you know, I, I watched my dad who didn't have that proper balance always tell me, you, you know, it's very important and especially taking care of your body. And he took tremendous care of his mind. He didn't take that good a care of his body and his body gave out, you know, at age 80. And, it, you know, he hoped to work into his nineties. And, um, and so that was, there was a lesson there for me too. And he was always really encouraging of all of us taking time for our family, taking time for vacation, taking time for social, taking time for spiritual items and, you know, taking time for yourself and taking care of your body. And so, if there's something I could change a little bit, and I do an okay job, but I, I need to be better at taking care of my body, taking care of my spiritual life, taking care of my social life, and you know, um, and, and 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 making those a little bit more important and less about about the business and family, if you will. Well, if I can relate to you for just a minute further, you and I, this is so uncanny, but uh, my own daughters would tell me because I would rush from the office to be at one of their events at school, or if they had a uh, activity that was going on, I would try to rush there and get there. You know, even if uh, the day was busy and I still had client meetings, I'd sometimes go back to the office after the client for client meetings afterwards. And, and they, they told me as I got older and they got older, they could see it now. And they said, dad, we see you in the pictures. Your body was there, <laughs> but your mind wasn't there. And I said, you know, you kids, you kids are way smarter than I was at your age. Cause uh, you know, my dad did the same thing. My dad was an entrepreneur and he, um, to be very frank with you, there was a lot of days and he missed a lot of events just because he was like your dad. Uh, he really just loved what he did and he worked hard, just worked hard, you know? Sure. And sure. so uh, what, what do you do? That's just their lifestyle really that they had. So yeah. I agree with you. I, I'd like to use the term work-life integration because I don't know if I ever get it balanced, but I do feel like I contribute to both sides of that equation maybe not mm -hmm. equally for, which is understood with balance, but integrated well. And uh, now that the kids and I'm like you an empty nester, I'm kind of sitting back going, wow, where'd that time go? You know, 18 years flew. Now the last one's off to school. Right. So yeah, you, you've mentioned, well, I've, I've never heard. I've, go ahead. Go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry. No, well, go ahead. I, I've, I've never, I've heard people say in their elder years that they never ever regretted a minute they spent with their family, but they did regret 
spending too much time at work and such. And so there is a better balance out there somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, there's never been a tombstone I've seen in the, in the cemetery that said, oh, I wish I'd have put in more hours at work, right? <laughs> so, right, exactly right, yeah. <laughs> None that's, of that. that's, I'm going to have a mausoleum because I, th- I still think I can do some rebalancing and stock picking myself if they'd just leave me alone in there. But uh, anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Anybody can do it, Jimmy. I think it's you. Hey, I'm, I'm work. I'm working on it, brother. I'm working on it. I hey, tell me this. I wouldn't put it past you. Your dad was a tremendous mentor, I'm sure, for you. And, and you and he started this this firm together. It's been so successful. And you give back. You've given a legacy to the people around you, your clients. You've shown leadership in your community. But who are some other mentors that you maybe had uh, had had over the lifetime of your career so far been such an impact on you? Yeah, that's another great question. Um, and I was very blessed in this. Like I mentioned, I had a, had a tremendous father that was just as good a man as you could ever imagine. But I also was lucky enough to grow up in an era where sports figures were so great. And mine, who was a Dallas Cowboy, um, Roger Staubach, and I was a quarterback growing up. And, of course, he was, in my mind, the greatest quarterback that the Cowboys have ever had. But I mean, what a what a what a role model he was. You know, he lived a great life. He was a, you know, of course went to the you know won the Heisman Trophy, went to the Naval Academy, you know, served his country, was a model citizen. I mean, most people think that if he if he'd run for president, he probably could have been elected president. And mm-hmm. just a tremendous man. And I and you know, in my formative years, I mean, the biggest names in sports in my world were Tom Landry, another great great man, and Roger Staubach. And well, you know, I wonder about today's kids. I mean, who are they looking up to that are like that? And I don't know that there, I, there, there may there may be some out there. I have, I have trouble kind of figuring out who they are. But boy, how blessed am I to have those kind of guys be your your role models? And uh, well, what a blessing, you know. That's that's. How about yours? What about you? Oh, so you're going to laugh. Let's talk about sports for a minute. The Dallas Cowboys, and folks, you know I'm an OU Sooner, so I do not mean the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I'm talking about the boys that wear the stars, okay, down in Arlington. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys. So, yes, I grew up every Sunday with my family gathered around. Don't laugh. Back then, this giant zenith-colored TV with built-in stereo. This thing looked like it took eight people to put it in the house, okay? But uh, we'd gather around that. We'd watch the Cowboys just, and this is a technical term, whoop. Uh, it's W-H-U-P, just whoop anybody they whoop. had down there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I had a lot of respect. Now, my dad came through the era of Dandy Don Meredith, of course, which is before Roger, uh, you know, as quarterback in the Dallas Cowboys program. But but he, Staubach, to me, was just a class person. So, you know, today athletes, man, make millions and millions of dollars now. And they say, well, I live a life I want to because I'm not uh, a person that's going to be influential to kids. You know, I'm not a role model. And I always want to tell them, you know, whether you like it or not, by virtue of what you do in life, you're a role model. So to me, that's what I loved about that era. Uh, Troy Aikman was not but 35 miles. He went to high school here at a little town of Henrietta, 35 miles north of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So we we knew him when he first started out at OU. And then, of course, uh, transferred out to UCLA as a more of a passing game, less of a wishbone runner. Uh, so uh, great people down there as quarterbacks. And Emmett Smith. I just I grew up loving all these guys. You know, they were really class yeah. acts. But – but I'll tell you who that really was my best mentor um, was a gentleman not too far from you. 
uh, down in the Dallas area by the name of Zig Ziglar. I met him on three oh, or yeah. four, about four times in person. I bet I've bought every book, every tape. Back then he bought yeah. cassettes. I mean, I bought them all. Jim Rohn, another great, what I call business philosopher. Uh, I've got everything the man ever had written, uh, whatever he spoke, I got it. So these are the people that I kind of patterned my life from. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Zig Ziglar's son, Tom, went to, I went to high school with him, sure enough. So I've heard about Zig Ziglar for years. He was tremendous. I, uh, I've got to tell you, as a man that grew up from Yazoo, Mississippi, and he's, he always had this phrase. He said, now, I know what you're thinking. A lot of people think and brag that they're from Yazoo, Mississippi, but I really am. You know, his voice, that dialect. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I, I do, too. I just fantastic stuff. So, so, Craig, I don't want to take too much of your time today, but let's talk about a few other things. What's the next phase of your life and career look like? I mean, hey, man, you've got 35 years in. You're a young man. Uh, what's it look like? You know, it looks a lot like it is now, but just trying to trying to grow the grow the group. Um, I'd like to to you know, I've got a nine person investment team, there, and you know, four or five of us have had a lot of, a lot of years together, and I think just deepening the bench and and you know, right now in the investment world, uh, active management isn't the greatest you know part of the market, but I know that that area will come back. And I think preparing uh, preparing people for uh, when when that, when stock picking and that sort of thing and, and finding undiscovered stocks comes back, I want our group to be on the forefront of that and really have you know a lot of names that that can really really help our portfolios and such. So that's kind of what the next phase. You know, I'd like to like I mentioned earlier, create more balance where I'm not doing quite as much and some of the. The, the more talented, smarter people that are coming up do do quite a bit more. So I'm I'm actually looking forward to the next uh, you know 15, 20 years here, and I think uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. So you're gonna laugh. I have an understanding of life to such degree that uh, clients ask me, they go, Jimmy, when are you gonna retire? When are you gonna retire? I said, Well, I could if I wanted to tomorrow. I said, but I'll never retire. To me, retirement's almost too close to the funeral home. I said, what I'm going to do is work until I can't competently do this anymore. You know, so until someone else tells me, hey, you're not getting it done at the level and quality that you espouse to do. And so I will tell you, I agree with you. I'm just wanting to get better for the people that I serve, better for my family, which is at the top of the people I serve, and my friends. I just want to make sure that I'm always doing what I think's in their best interest to help the values I bring to that equation of friendship grow and be better. That, to me, that's just what life's very, about, man. That's yeah. very well said. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's very well said. So what advice, if you were sitting down today talking with a young man or woman that came into your office, sitting across the desk from you and said, Mr. Hodges, give me one piece of advice that you could give me if I wanted to start my own mutual fund company, open in mutual fund company, or if I wanted to start my own investment advisory firm, what would you tell them? Great question. I, you know, I, the first thing I did, what comes to my mind is I would say be flexible, meaning things change, the market change, you know, the mutual fund business, 40 act mutual fund isn't the greatest area right now. Everyone loves ETFs. But that won't always be that way. So somebody in this business, I would say, be, be adaptable, evolve, you know, but the one thing that never changes is people will always need financial advice. 
And so if you can be as knowledgeable and as, as much of an expert in that field, people, you will always have a, you know, a job and always have a need. People will need you. And uh, the, the business may change of how it looks and what products actually come out. But people, people need people they can trust and that are competent. And if you can do those two things, you got it made. Oh, man, that is great advice. Where were you about 30 years ago when I needed to hear that, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what did we say earlier? The best things that ever happened to us are all the mistakes we've made. We've learned from all those. So. Oh, man, <laughs> we've made I our believe care, man. We have made I our believe care, you. So. As I tell people, I've got the scars to show up. The problem is it's the gray hair. It's not necessarily on the body. It's in the gray hair. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm with you. You know, with one you thing, too, I want to say is when people come up and they we have uh, you come in and shadow us and what we do in our company and how we do it. And they always leave after this period of time they've been there and they say, man, I just want to do what you do. And I keep telling them, OK, you don't get to start where I am. We all have a starting block that's further back on the race than where we are today. So they see the the nice suits and the fancy office and you get all this nice money rolling in the door and. And I tell them, do not ever start in any business that is only for money. Start it in something that you're passionate about, because if it's only money, it'll be a short-lived venture, I can assure you. Amen. Amen. Very true. So what I guess I'm going to ask is, could you email me your daughter at OU, her email address, so I can get a resume <laughs> from her? I'll put her to work before dad hey, gets her. <laughs> I'd, I'd sign her up right now. To work for you, I would sign her up. You, oh, hey, I you tell do you. things right, my man. You, and let me tell you something. You've been a real joy to get to know. And I tell you what, whenever you reach out to me, it is an uplifting experience. You, you called me about, oh, I think it was about six weeks ago, kind of in the middle of all this pandemic mess and the volatility. And you just called and said, hey, man, I just want you to know I appreciate what you do. And I'm telling you what, that picked me up. So I needed to hear that call that day. So, hey, keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep doing it. Well, I always say this. Don't want to get too religious on you, but I'm a seed sower, Craig. I like to sow seeds. And somebody's going to come along and water that someday, I'm hoping. But uh, I appreciate you very much. <laughs> So, hey, we're going to close this out now. I know you've got a lot going on. It's, it's time for you to get your day going. So let me ask you this one last question for our listeners. If you could give our listeners, thousands and thousands of people across 27 countries on this planet, one piece of advice about influence, leadership, or legacy, what profound, impactful statements would you tell them? Ooh, profound. Profound is... <laughs> You're looking for the wrong guy if you want profound. But, you know, with, with leadership, the one thing I'll say about, about leadership, and I've seen people try to be leaders, and leaders, leaders work by their actions and not their words. If you're the leader, you need to be the first guy there. You need to be the last guy to leave. You need to be the guy that's working the hardest. And you can preach and talk and tell everybody this is what you need to do. But unless you're willing to do that yourself, unless you're willing to, to lay it out there, people aren't going to follow you. And, uh, you know, that's luckily I had a guy that was that guy. He was the hardest working guy of all of us. And uh, everyone followed him because of that. And, and I hope to emulate that at some point. I mean, I don't think I'm there yet, but I'm, I'm a work in progress, as they say. That is great advice. Craig, I want to thank you so much for taking your valuable time. I know you've got a lot on your plate. This has been very helpful for me. I know it's going to be helpful for all of our listeners out there. And I'd like to do one other thing, if I could, Craig, in honor and memory of your wonderful father, this book he's written called Horse Sense. 
I'm going to actually give away a copy of his book to the first person that emails us at info at liveadlifeby.design and mentions the word Hodges Capital. And if they will send that to me, the first email we get, based by the time and date stamp on the email, will receive this wonderful book of which I've got to tell you, I've dog-eared the pages, Craig. I've highlighted things. It's not really a book I sat down and read as much as I use as a reference manual. I get a good taste of what your dad was really all about by listening and, and listening to you and your brother, but also reading these pages. It is phenomenal. So thank you so much for being here with us today. It was a lot of fun, Jimmy. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. And listen, we'll do this again. Until then, though, you take care of yourself and enjoy your week. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. What a great time to visit with my friend Craig Hodges. He is carrying on a legacy of service. You notice our conversation didn't talk a whole lot about making millions of dollars and, and buying giant houses all over the world. It had to do with something more foundational, more important, and that is helping you live a life by design. One that gives you lasting happiness and not just a frivolity of what it is to own assets. You know, one of the greatest things he talked about was his fulfillment in his children, those three children, twin daughters and a son, and they give him such joy. You know, we believe here at Live a Life by Design that you are meant for a purpose on this planet. If you are having a difficult time finding your way throughout the world, I strongly encourage you to go to our website at livealifeby.design and look at those resources, look at those blog posts, listen to more episodes of these, these podcasts every week. And this will implant in your mind, hopefully, the joy, the hope you need to live a life boldly on your own terms. Thank you so much for joining us this week. It is truly an honor to have such a wonderful group of people commenting every week. Go on iTunes, leave us a rating for the podcast and a review. It is one thing for us to get those to know that we are giving you the highest quality of information and hope that we can, and I certainly appreciate it from our entire team here at Live a Life by Design. With that said, I want you to know this week uh, the challenge is going to be this. The challenge is going to be to help reach out, find your legacy that you can leave for those around you, or if you're younger, find someone that has a tremendous impact in your life and learn more about what makes them unique for you. And do this. Never forget that you are important. You are vital to the success of all of those around you because you play a role, whether it's a friend, a father, a brother, an uncle, whatever it is, Life on this planet is far better because you're in it. Now, go out and live a life by design. You can get a complete transcript of today's show online at livealifeby.design. If you like the show, please tell your friends and family about it. 
Also, we would be very appreciative if you would leave a review of the show wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been a Life Master Key production. The program is copyrighted by Jimmy J. Williams and Company. All rights reserved. Our recording engineer is Happy Design Company. Our production assistant is Amy Cotton. Our intern is Brindley.